This is the Shea Spark Show, where business and military leaders share what it means to invest in leadership, relationships, and self-love. And stay tuned for the end of the interview. There is a new coaching segment that you won't want to miss. Welcome back to the Shay Sparks Show, where we talk with business and military leaders about what it means to invest in leadership, relationships, self-love, and most importantly, what it means to invest in people. This is season 10, and I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we help spark leaders, not help. We also help, but we spark leaders to find, use, and share their voice through coaching, podcasts, and publications so that they're fired up about their life and business. And talk about being fired up. I am so excited about our guest today. I have known him for, gosh, a while, and I'm just really excited to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, the amazing Donald Kelly. Woo! Shay, <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be able to be here with your audience today and be able to share some stuff, uh, help some of these leaders and, and their team. Yes, well, thank you. And I I know it's been long overdue because we met, gosh, 2019 podcast movement. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I remember it was in Orlando. And like you said, we were in one of those speed networking situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And as soon as I heard that you were the sales evangelist, I was like, oh, yeah, we got to we gotta connect. <laughs> and so I love being able to at least like just watch you on social media, but also like get to see you grow in what you're doing every time I get to see you at a, at a podcast conference. So it's been yeah. a joy to watch. Same to you. It's been honestly just like really cool. Sometimes you find folks who start off something and they, you know, don't continue and, you know, people fizz out. And what I like about you is that you've always just been like a caliber and one that helps those people, you know, get up to par. I remember we were in Denver and you were talking about some of the, you know, the people that you were helping and people who were new to the podcasting game. And that I feel that that's a part of like your identity, which makes it obviously part of your business where you're just yeah. a giver. So oh, I love that. So you. thanks thank for you. being there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I, I will plug this because it's really yes. quite funny. Well, so in Denver, since you mentioned it, yeah. I was unofficially named the mayor of podcasting. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's like, about true. I think how that's, funny is that? It's probably about right. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think it's because people are like, how do you know all of these people? I'm like, well, you know, I just attend and connect. You know, yeah. and hear people's story and how can I help you and and connect other people to your interviews and your shows and what you're doing. So thank you for, like I said, for being here and always being a an inspiration yourself. And I can't wait to dive Let's in. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Donald Kelly is the sales evangelist as a for, former top performing technology sales professional who has successfully sold public and private sectors. He has cracked the code of helping teams thrive in B2B sales. He was recognized from Salesforce in 22 and 23 as a top sales influencer and by LinkedIn for the top 22 sales insider. He is also an author of Sell Like a Mango, a new seller's guide to closing more deals. And I can't wait to talk more about that today. Mm and a co-author of The Professional Selling, a guide for the modern sales professional and advanced selling and sales management courseware, which is used in 90 universities across North America. Wow, talk about impact. 
and and he is also the host of the Sales Evangelist podcast. And his mission is to evangelize the effective selling method and motivate sellers of all levels to do big things. Well, Donald, let's just dive into the first question that I always like to ask is what does investing in people mean to you? Investing in people for mean to me that you are looking for ways to help people to become better. And I, I like the idea of the way you say investing in people because it's not necessarily focused on your team. For you, you invest a lot in people who are not even on your team, Mayor, and you know people that are around you. And I think for any one of us, when we've been given gifts or talents or skills or knowledge, it's important, a moral obligation for us to be able to share that, pass that information along so that we can help somebody else, not only for our benefit, but just to help other uh, individuals. And like for you, you have a platform where you can do so, where you're investing in people. I, I think it's important. And and the more, and if you go deeper on a team sense, like investing in your team, we can have team members. And I've had this before where we had team members, but then we didn't invest in them. We didn't look mm. for, do they need any type of coaching? Do they need to get a one-on-one? -on -one? Um, do we have one-on-ones with them every month? Do we know what their goals are and what they're trying to accomplish? Because people are going to work, yes, to get money, but they're spending so much time at work and they're looking for something that's more fulfilling. If we can invest in people and help them to, uh, and sometimes investing in people, it's probably gonna be that they don't necessarily be a part of your team. Again, we can help them to get to the right team, and, and that's probably not necessarily part of our vision. But when we invest in them, when we find out what they're trying to accomplish and help them to accomplish that, I feel that that's what that investing in people is like. Well, I love that answer, and I'm, I'm really glad that you touched on the word fulfilling. Hmm. Because, you know, we talked about how we met in this networking event, but I have to say, I actually saw you at the new attendees event where you were speaking on stage. And your energy just exudes like, <laughs> up the entire room and talk about wisdom. I mean, you, when you, sh I, so I totally believe here that when you learn something, it becomes knowledge. And, and then when you share it, that's when it becomes wi wisdom. Mm. And you were just sharing so much wisdom about how to be, get the most of your time out of podcast movement. And yet you are pouring into everyone else. So how is it that pouring into people is fulfilling to you? I think it's fulfilling to pouring into people's fulfilling to me for in two bases behind this. One, it is it's I feel like again that moral obligation because so many people helped me. It, mm. it I, I need to go back and help somebody else because it becomes yeah. I cannot become the dam in this flow of knowledge or or mm. in 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 my ecosystem, so to speak. Sometimes you find people like people dedicate time to them and give them so much. And then they end up being that dam where they don't pass that knowledge along or they think their poop don't stink and they're bigger than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that that's the way this thing can work if we're going to be in an effective society or in, in our genre of podcasting, in our niche where we can you know help others. And I think the other part for me that makes it fulfilling is when you see other people thrive as mm -hmm. well. And go back to what we talked about. A lot of people don't stick around or go the long-term game when it comes to podcasting. And when I'm able to see somebody that did it and able to find result, it's, it becomes more 
it becomes fulfilling from that standpoint because I do remember those individuals who did that to me. And I remember when I did try this stuff and I'm like, holy moly, this work. There's so many folks that I can name on and on. And there, I just want to, and one of them, so Jared Easley, both of our yes. friends and Jared, he had this, he had this, uh, this, this idea, you know, obviously you look for ways that he can help people. And one of the things that he recommended, tons of stuff, I, I, and we can, it's not a Jared, uh, you know, tell all uh, and to brag about him, but I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't have a business today and everything if it wasn't for Jared. And that's another story for another day. But one of the things that he did though, was he was reading Carrie, he introduced me to Carrie Oberon. I never met Carrie, but he introduced me to his book and it's Day Job to Dream Job. And I remember reading that book and I'd taking those things and applying it. I would listen to Pat Flynn on a train going mm. to work. And what I started to see was all these people that poured into me, gave me knowledge. I was able to use that knowledge and that wisdom to be able to help me to leave my full-time day job. So again, when it worked, it's like exciting. And I can pass that information along because I know other people were in that same are in that same boat, which then ties directly to our brand, this the evangelist. Like mm-hmm. when you think about evangelist evangelism, it's it's tied to Christianity and the idea of somebody going out and teaching the gospel. In the business sense, I got introduced to this term in college, and Guy Kawasaki, not a in in sense like maybe a, a, a Christian religious person, but the mm-hmm. term made sense. He was Apple's chief evangelist. And I thought about that and I was like, whoa, the only time I ever heard that was in church. But this makes total sense mm-hmm. if you put that in business sense. Somebody that can evangelize about a brand, about an, about an identity, about a, a cause, about an idea. And when it came to sales, it just made sense. I was a software tech evangelist. But then when it came to this podcast, we married those two titles sales evangelist, what's working in sales? What has helped you? What are some of the pitfalls people should avoid? How can we evangelize and help people to thrive and succeed? And as I started to to, to do that and help people and hear people get the wins and the you know breakthrough challenges that I was facing when I was starting off, it just made it more exciting to be able to keep giving back. So it's fulfilling, one, to be able to give back because others have done it and I don't want to be the person that stopped that flow of knowledge, pass that knowledge along for generations too. It's because I want to make sure, help people succeed and to, to get the wins because I've, that, that's what helped me. It was, it was exciting. And then three, the third bonus one there for, with our brand is the idea that we live that we want to evangelize what's working. And people will probably think, you know, you know, it's just, is that just like esoteric or some kind of like, you know, nice things to say, a platitude. No, we do this. And as a result of that, we get opportunities too. We don't do it because of the opportunities, but because of a given the knowledge of the podcast and the stuff that we do, we get lined up with opportunities time and time again that come to us. So hopefully that, that that's a yes. long answer. <laughs> no, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, has always just struck me with you is that you have this confidence about you where I love that you talk about sales because there's such a confidence that comes with sales that I think a lot of people are shy away from and they get scared or they the fear of rejection comes up, whatever it is, their confidence is kind of lost when it comes to sales. I know I'm guilty of that. And I uh, built my business in a salon for 28 years. And it was all about like that confidence just comes out of nowhere. And it's okay that people say no. And I love what you say in your, your book, Sell It Like a Mango, is really about if the two fruit stands were selling the same thing, how are you going to deliver it? How are you going to give them better value? 
And even if you say, if they say no, who knows, they're not going to say yes a week Mm. from now, a day from now, you know, maybe a couple of hours later. Yeah. So I love that you, you are using the word evangelist because you really are looking at sales as to me. And I've said this from the minute I met you, it's really about that relationship building. Mm-hmm. Rather than the, I'm just going to be smarmy and use the used car salesman, right? And pour all of the the lies, so to speak, onto people. You're really being authentic yeah. in, in what you do. And I think that's where that, that marries that evangelist brand. Yeah, and I appreciate that, that was observation. Like there, it's, it's very easy for us, our vision that we're trying to organize right now, Shay, and we've been in business for so long, and we've been fine-tuning that vision. We wanted to, we picture a day where we don't, where our, where when we think of a salesperson, we don't think of that sleazy seller. Mm-hmm. We want to think of a day where when salesperson make a call to a prospect, or sends an email to a prospect, the prospect relish in the idea of that email or that conversation because they know that salesperson is an industry authority in leader or um, authority figure that brings insights and knowledge. And go back to what you say about us, like the, the thing that we need to do is we need to, we need to help educate people as much as possible. I find that as a sales in, in the sales arena, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're, you know, you have a, a large team or a small team, you're a salesperson. I had a lunch with an entrepreneur today and he recognized that, that he's a salesperson mm-hmm. and you need to sell ideas to your team and you need to sell idea, sell your product and your service. Now, one of the challenges that people have is they look at sales as the idea of me persuading you mm. to purchase something. And that's, and it's not the idea of sell, selling, it's not to persuade you to purchase, it's to persuade, help you to persuade yourself to make it an investment. And the only way that happens is through proper education. So if we can elevate the game of the sales professional where they become elegant educators, it advances us like light years where buyers now are not repelled, but they feel that this person has their best interest in mind, their meaning the customer's best interest in mind. And this person has knowledge that I just can't get anywhere else. Yeah, you can Google, you can use AI. The industry insights from this person and how to apply this stuff would be bar none. And that's who I want to deal with. It so happens that they have a solution that we could benefit from as well. And if that salesperson, if we can help salespeople to be seen in that light and to and work towards that vision, I mean, magic will happen and the, the whole game would change in altogether. So anyways, that's our big term, big long-term vision. Maybe that comes 50 years from now, but that's the vision that we're working towards. <laughs> oh, I, I can see that happening. And and the, I love that you said about education. And can you please give the definition of sales again? Because I've never yeah. heard it put in your words. And I love that, that reframe of mm. what sales is, because it's really taking the pressure off of the salesperson, quote unquote, and putting it back on the education of what sales really ultimately is. Yeah. If you think about it, most sales situation, sales is set up in a way that, or traditional selling is set up in a way that you are going to persuade me on something that I don't need and like right right out the gate that is just so much friction like it's it's so much like pressure so much challenge like you know right up right off the bat and nobody wants to be sold Gittimer said it people love to buy but they hate to be sold 
And when you think about the selling aspect, again, if I persuade you to do something, you're still not doing this of your own free will. Mm. And that's where we find where people say, I was sold this car, or mm. I was sold this vacuum cleaner, I was sold this software, I was sold on this demo. Like that, I cringe when I hear that. Because mm -hmm. I know what's going to happen. That person is going to have buyer remorse. They may keep it and not be pleased with a company have a negative outlook. Maybe they keep it and it's probably going to help them out. Or they turn, they return and ask for a refund. But when somebody tells me, I invested, I purchased, I bought, I got, it's them doing that. And the sellers that are able to do that, they're not tricking you. They're not manipulating you. What they're doing, they're educating and a great mm -hmm. seller who educates can educate and understand that I will educate you, Shay, and you and I might both leave today recognizing that my solution is not going to be the best fit for you right now. But yeah. I at least, if my job is to help elevate and to educate you, then I did my part. Mm -hmm. You may necessarily go somewhere else. I would hope that because of the education I offer, our solution is superior enough to the challenge you have. But realistically, I know that not everyone is going to buy an iPhone, and even though everyone may need a phone in that situation, the same thing. Who think everyone's not going to go with TSC for their sales education? They might go with Sandler, or might go with Jeb Blunt and Sales Gravy, and these are phenomenal things. It's just that we probably weren't a good fit. So the best comes from education. So the key here is you want to educate people enough that they persuade themselves to make an investment for which they feel is in their best interest for which they will compensate you because they'll be like, dang, Shay, I would never have known that if you didn't educate me or teach me about that. Here's what I will, I will buy your solution and I get commission off of that. That's the fee that I get from doing it. It's not the other way around. Let me get the fee by telling you about a solution that you may not necessarily need right. so I can just get that. Right. Growing up in the, in the, in the family of entrepreneurs, my dad mm -hmm. was a, a farmer, but he mm -hmm. was also a, a fertilizer salesman. And I was probably like eight to 10 years old and they were having a, oh, like a, a fair inside a mall, right? Yeah. And it was, they, everybody had a booth and they had a booth and there was a gentleman there who was walking around with a monkey puppet with the <laughs> uh, uniform on, right? And to, to, match, to, to match everyone in the booth. And before long, I'm like, I want to rock around with a monkey puppet. I'm here. I am a little kid. And I didn't even know what I was doing. And not necessarily I was educating, but what I was doing was just informing people who were maybe not in, around to their booth yet what it was like in their booth. Just because mm. I was having fun with this puppet and engaging with people. Again, I had no idea that's what I was doing until many years later. I was like, wow, my dad was planting seeds in me on how to build that relationship, how to build that rapport. And before I even before I before I even thought about being an entrepreneur. So it was really funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it's amazing. And th there's a, a term that I was spitting out and I was crossing my words, but edutaining where it's the idea of you educate and entertain. And most people want to be entertained. And if we can entertain them and educate them in a the process, we're going to be so much more effective. And that's what you were doing. You're having fun talking yeah. to people, telling them about what, you know, what was going on and what this, you know, this monkey thing, <laughs> monkey puppet, <laughs> but that's it. It's like, I'm entertained by this, but you educated me on something that I didn't quite know about. Let me go check it out and learn more. Right. So yeah, I fun love stuff. It. <laughs> 
Well, let's take it back since I talked about sure. my childhood for a minute. Let's take it back to yours. Like, how did the fire, the the drive to get into entrepreneurship, to get into sales, where did that start from? I did as a kid. I grew up, and you read my book, and you kind of get some of the idea there. I, I remember seeing my dad. He's uh, was an entrepreneur, and my family, like in Jamaica, it's a third world country, so it's not like I can just finish up school and then I can get the you know apply to a bunch of companies and land you know amazing jobs. You're gonna need to hustle. Some a lot of people leave Jamaica and go to Canada, to U.S. or to the U.K. for opportunities. People are in Jamaica, you got to figure out a way to make some money, right? So everyone around me were entrepreneurs, they were creative, they were unique, creating business. So in my mind, I wanted to grow up to be a businessman because that's what I saw people do, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that my cousins wanted mango and I figured, I think as I go back and I was like, man, people want the mangoes and people sell mangoes at town and, you know, in the, in the market. So Therefore, if I were to sell mangoes, people would buy mangoes. And I didn't have success trying selling the mangoes. It was the same exact product. It's not like the mangoes I'm getting were any inferior to the ones that were in the market. It's the same country, the same region. It's not like they were imported mangoes. It's mangoes from Jamaica. But what was different was the seller. That seller had a better way of educating their buyers about it. And that seller had more education than I had about how to attract people towards selling that product or in, in, about the, towards the product. And I remember when I found this, this notion, it, it really sparked something in me. Later on, as I came to the U.S., I took the same belief and mentality and I was doing like little auditing jobs and in high school and middle school. And I remember I was a candy man and a candy kid in middle school where I'd buy candy. Love when Albertson had them on sales, like, you know, like four Reese's pack for a dollar. So mm -hmm. 25 cents a pop. And then I would sell them for 50 cents and double my money. Or, you know, get like, there was a, a corner store that had now and laters and they had the packs and I could sell for 25 cents in a pack. And that was like some, you know, make decent change off of that. So all of those things made it exciting because I was able to earn money. I can physically feel the money and see and use that money to buy more product as well as to fund my, my endeavors that I wanted. And that helped, that gave me this, this this excitement. I went to college with the same belief again. And then one of my friends was like, man, you should consider going into sales. This mm. is when I formally put a difference between entrepreneurship and sales, that this is being, one is being a business owner, a businessman, and the other one is being uh, selling a product. And I didn't have to have a business to sell a product. So I started adopting the idea of this entrepreneur where I'd work for companies mm. as a salesperson and saw as my own territory, the people that I called, the, the, you know, the list that I had as my own little uh, section, this my own business. And that grew and I went into B2B sales and it was just blew up even more because I was earning way more money than I would ever thought possible before. And all of the stuff just made it in a, made it, made me get excited for it. So my background, that gives, it gives a whole story of it, but the background early on was seeing my family and friends that were selling and it, it, it made me realize that I could do that as well. And I guess I never, because I saw people succeed in doing it. I didn't have the idea of failure because they were succeeding. So therefore, I know I was going to succeed as well, even though I didn't know the gate. <laughs> well, I love that you are the confidence was already installed in you <laughs> from the examples that were around you. Where oftentimes we kind of might shy away from something because if no one in your family was succeeding, you would have been like, Well, then I'm not gonna try it because yeah. who's my example to to prove that it works? Yeah. Like this 
thing doesn't work. It's not going to be as yeah. not going to be as successful. But yeah, I'm grateful for the folks that have been around me to help me with that. Yeah. So that just goes to show how a lot of times we need support. We need the right support around mm. us to really help pr- propel us to the next step. 100%. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So I know that you've written a book and it's using universities, but what really inspired you? What were you thinking that inspired you to write this particular book, that the sales book? Sell it like a mango? Yes. Yeah, it was. So I, I started working on, I got introduced to some publishers back maybe like around 2015. And I, they were asking if I had a book in me and I could write. And I was like, yeah, I think I could write a book. I feel that that way. And I started working on a book proposal for them. And I got the imposter syndrome, kind of what I posted about the other day. And I just kind of tapered off from doing it and didn't feel that I had anything to say really. And then I I just kept dabbling at it. And I started working on something. I got the confidence to start writing something. And it was definitely more trying to compete on like the how-to with all the other sales books that were there. And I just didn't feel any distinguished ability. I invested, I believe strongly in the idea of who, not how. So Mm -hmm. I was able to, financially, I was able to invest. And I had a a book coach, somebody that was a part of my, my masterminds, which was really it gave us a ridiculous deal. So it was like, you, you had to do it. So big shout out to um, Azul Tehran. He is Pat Flint's book coach as well. So Pat uh-huh. Azul came, it was in our mastermind. And then he gave this idea of helping us all write a book and took him up on the offer. And it was in a, in about a year's time, I was able to get most of the content done that was taking me like three years to get to. And what Azul said was he asked me the question because the book, it wasn't going to be sell like a mango. It's going to be like a new seller's guide to selling or something like that. Generic title. Um, and then he did a, he asked me the question, Donald, what was the first thing you sold? And I told him about the mangoes trying to sell mm. the product. And then he was like, I told him the story that the, and ultimately there was a ninja bike, ninja on a bike. It was Christmas time at the, one of these shops in our community, like we'll call them a little, you know, little tienda folks that had like a little shop and they had, these people had a bigger one and they had this motorcycle, uh, ninja on a motorcycle and battery powered. And it was really, really cool. And I was like, that would be fun um, to get. And I didn't have the gumptions to ask. My mom was overseas trying to establish a place for us to move here, you know, lifestyle, life for us. And I didn't have the gumptions to ask my family members for the money. So I decided to do what I needed to do. And that was to go work for it. I never got it. (laughs) I didn't because I didn't make the money at that point. Read the book. You can learn about it. And one of my business associates sent me years later, sent me this little ninja bike, Lego ninja bike. And it was pretty cool when the book launched. The point is, though, in that time period, I did not make the sale. And I was questioning what made me not make the sale, mm. what made me not be as successful when the product was the same. And I was like, mind blown. This is the same exact thing that happened when I sold with the different competitors and I wasn't successful. Like, and I see it with my clients all the time. Like, they're not, Their solution's not too different. What makes them different than the other? And that's where the principles came from. Like, What made the top performers work, sell, perform so well? And they have a process, they have a system, and they, they have the mindset. And I started outlining the book that way. And Azul coached me through that. And yeah, and then the idea came, sell it like a mango. So whatever you sell, whether it's software or cars, house, it's complex, you know, B2B services, 
sell it like a mango. Identify what's different about it. How can you educate somebody about it? Be creative in your process and have a process. And voila, that's how the book came about. I love that. You just have the process and voila, it's easy, simple. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sell it like a mango. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about the mindset for a minute, but first I'm going to just give a shout out to the sponsors take a minute to you know share the incredible teams that i've partnered with heroes media group who produces this show and i also want to talk about the sisu stamina which is from ula universe it is a energy supplement that i am able to chew on in the afternoon tastes like a vitamin c supplement and it's instead of drinking a cup of coffee it gives me energy for the rest of the day and then also a Firestarters book project. It's about connecting and c- collaborating with other creative thought leaders inside a book. So if you are interested and want to join the movement, go to firestartersbookproject.com. Well, Donald, we talked about sales and an entrepreneurship, but you just mentioned the mindset piece. And I want to dive in. Is there any advice that you would give to someone that was maybe on the fence about being an entrepreneur, being sales, because their mindset was off? So is there something that you would say to them that kind of helps them shake shake it off, get out of it, get out of that mm-hmm. negative mindset? Yeah, I probably would say the biggest thing that I would tell folks that to help them get out of that negative mindset, I go back to this idea of the moral obligation and having that purpose. It's really difficult to sell something that you don't have a passion for or service something that you don't necessarily care for. So look at it in this sense, like you have, let's go back to my, the whole idea of my podcast and the sales evangelist. I feel that I have a moral obligation to at least evangelize that message. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everyone's going to like me and not everyone's going to do it. I didn't, it's not that I don't care about that, but that's not the vision. My vision is to educate and people can make that decision because we don't force people to do anything. We're not manipulators. We're not con artists. Mm. As a business owner, you have a moral obligation. If you've discovered a solution, if you've discovered an easier way, if you've discovered a, a, a service, if you've done something that's help can, that you know from the heart, if your hearts can really help someone, it becomes your moral obligation to do that. Mm. And not everybody is uniquely designed and sent to do that. And you could be that person. Colonel Sanders, like, yes, we have him. But if we didn't have Colonel Sanders, would we have KFC where we are? Absolutely not. There'd probably be other people doing fried chicken somewhere, but there probably wouldn't be this point. Take you love him or you hate him. If it wasn't for, if you didn't have an Elon Musk willing to take mm-hmm. his billions and money to be able to invest in the type of organizations that he have, we probably wouldn't have a biggest boom in electric car industry that we have because he did that. Richard Branson, when you look at folks like Oprah, who took the message and she changed the way talk show and interviews and so forth was and created a business and industry behind it. Like there are people that are uniquely, and these are big names, but you have the person down the road who started that fruit stand that's been there for 40 years, the little spot. And they had an impact on the community. Like those people took and did what they were supposed to do with their their talents and skill. They used their moral obligation to go and get that message about what they have because that fruit stand was going to be helpful because Tesla was going to change the way people do, you know, operate for generations. Colonizing Mars is going to be another way to further the, the longevity of humankind or whatnot. Like there, there's so many people who have these things. What is yours? What is it that you feel? And it doesn't need to be anything big out the gate, 
but you will never discover your big break or your big thing until you start. And my first business of selling mango flopped. But who would have thought when I was a kid trying to sell mango that this would be a book that is listened to and read across the globe, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years later? Like, mm-hmm. think about that, right? So don't say my business is not going to be as Tesla. Who cares? Elon Musk's first businesses flop and was in PayPal, did well, and then got kicked out. So like, there's you're not going to be success overnight, and no one is. It takes time, but you got to start to be great. And your moral obligation is that you need to, you have a solution. You've discovered something. You've seen an easier way. And it's selfish for you not to share that with somebody else. Well, amen. You can tell I you're the evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the truth. (laughs) You just took us to church. But you're so right. It is the truth. And I love that you literally take everything back to this moral obligation, especially Mm -hmm. in this selfish world that we sometimes live in, right? That people are like, well, what's in it for me? And I love that you're really taught. This whole conversation has really been about the fulfilling of you as well as the moral obligation to pay it forward, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, the whole premise of investing in people. It's not just about what it does selfishly for you. Oh, they're going to be better, uh, a better teammate. Well, yeah. And you get the joy of seeing them grow and expand and succeed and win because you impacted their lives, which I kind of already know what the answer might be to this question, but I just want to ask it anyway, because you are making such an impact in so many people's lives. What do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? It's a very, I'm glad you asked that question because that's a big thing for me. There's two things. The number one thing that I want is for when my journey is completed in, in, in life here, I want that my wife to say that I was the best, the greatest husband. I want for my son to say, and any other kids we have to say that I was the best father mm-hmm. ever, ever. That's that's it. Because if I can pass that along, then he or my son, uh, boy right now, he could take that and become better. I want that name, that, that Donald Kelly name, the Kelly name to be able to live on. And for him to take it and make it even better. I want him to be proud of it. I want him to be proud of me. So those two things. And then the third part is I want to have the number one sales education organization in the world. And the and the reason is not because of vanity, because I believe in my heart of hearts and know with the knowledge that I have that we have a thing that can help individuals to become better. And in order for to make my mark, may not be, maybe you'll be in space. I love space. So maybe we'll get there eventually. <laughs> right now, the industry that I'm in, I want to be able to be a leg, leave a legacy in that space mm-hmm. that we've transformed that industry, that I was sent to this earth at this time and I evangelized a message that changed the way that sales was looked upon from now and for, for you know 2000 years from now and that would be phenomenal and but if you think about that that name that 2000 years from now from now as well I want that Kelly name to be able to be able to live on and that the legacy mm. that we continue to refine and become better 
each generation. Yeah. And if I can have that with that legacy with my wife and my son, then this other one would be a cherry on top. So, mm. well, I love that. And just from knowing you in the short years, four years that I've known you, seeing you every single conference, you have your family with you, your wife and your son. And that is just a, a, such a beautiful thing to see. So I think you're living part of your legacy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, where can people get your book? How can they yes. um, hear your podcast, all your website, social, all the things? Any platform you could find me, Donald C. Kelly. So big shout out Stephen Hart years ago, made sure I got all my handles, Donald C. Kelly. Yeah. And you can find, if you want to learn more about the book, you can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. You can check it out on Audible. Just go to, just search the, sell it like a mango. And if you're curious to learn about our services, just go to salesevangelist.com. You get a chance to learn about our training programs. We have cohorts that we start every other month, which really helps individuals to improve their sales game so that they can be able to evangelize their messages a little bit better in an effective way as an authority leader. Awesome. The salesevangelist.com. We'll definitely have those in the show notes. Oh, thank you for that. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. It's been a, such a joy to have you here. Thank you for having me. And I know you, you probably, you're going to tell your audience to download and subscribe. And I'm just telling you all listening to the podcast from a podcaster to a, po uh, for, to a podcaster's audience, you know, sometimes you can ask the, you can, you can tell your family member something and they'll probably say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when the neighbor tells them, they're like, oh my goodness, that's brilliant. So here's the neighbor coming over and saying, subscribe to this podcast like mm -hmm. if you're listening for the first time and if you haven't done so already you listen so much leave share review it's a simple mm -hmm. little gesture but it goes mm -hmm. a long way she probably has days and i like me where sometimes i'll say is this working and i go back and look at a review and see people's life impacted so please do that and then you know tell take the episode and share it with one other person moral obligation you just learned something is there somebody else that can benefit from the show if you do that for shay i know it'll go tremendous long way and she'll probably appreciate that over currency so wow thanks. well thank you you bring tears to my eyes <laughs> <laughs> uh before you go though i always like to leave with this question of what sure. phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now i'd probably say the vision uh, without vision people perish so mm. i'm trying to help that set that vision for myself and for those who are around me I'm trying to set a, a, a bigger vision well you are doing big things like you mentioned <laughs> says, so Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Shay. Welcome back to the segment that I like to be that I like to call "Don't Be a Dick" segment. Today's interview with Donald was just such a joy. For one, because I've known him for years, but two, we talked about sales. Now, how many of you have ever had that used car sales experience, where someone who is salesy is conniving? Someone who is salesy is smarmy is a word that I tend to use around salesmen. I don't know about you, but I know I have. And, you know, don't be a dick. Dick stands for dishonorable, inconsiderate, conniving, and know-it-all. And how many of you have ever experienced that with a salesperson, right? They have maybe been dishonorable. Maybe they've lied. Maybe they haven't taken you into consideration. Maybe they've been inconsiderate, rude, pushy, won't take no for an answer. I've had that happen many times. Or they're conniving. They're trying to manipulate you. They twist the truth 
a little white lies. Maybe it's that type of thing. Or they know it all. They pretend that they know all of the details about this certain product, including the benefits and the not so great side effects, right? And then they don't inform you. So I'm going to go with all of them. When you're in sales, don't be a dick. Don't be dishonorable and considerate, conniving or know-it-all. Don't pretend to know anything. In fact, I like to go with a beginner's mind of educating the client, educating who I'm speaking with, educating the audience, which is really what Donald was talking about today. So even in a non-business world, like in a relationship, maybe it's in your family, and you have an idea, or you want to take a trip, or you want to do something as a family together, and you want to kind of, quote unquote, sell it to your family. How can you do so by really educating them on the benefits? How can you educate them on what it's going to be like? How can you weigh the pros and the cons of what it is that you're trying to get them to do and not even trying to get them to do because remember what Donald said, it's about helping them come to the decision for themselves. So what questions do you need to answer about this idea that you have? Maybe it is starting a business. Maybe it's, it's buying a new car. Maybe it's getting a dog. You know, there's so many different things that oftentimes we, we try to to sell, quote unquote, someone something when really all we need to do is educate. And when we take a stance and a step back of standing in truth, standing in being honorable to ourselves and to those around us, we're not being a dick. We won't come off that way. We'll come off as being nice and kind and genuinely, authentically interested in what your team thinks. And that team could also be your family or what your relationship or your partnership, whatever that looks like. So I want to leave you with this. What would it look like if you did all of the educating in yourself on the thing that you're trying to persuade or you're trying to help others learn more about? What would that look like? Let me know. You can send me a message. You send me an email or you can leave me a voicemail at theshaysparksshow.com. And feel free to leave a voicemail. We will use it on air. So let me know how that is working for you. How maybe kindness is the answer rather than being a dick. And I want to know all about it. And if you want to subscribe, like Donald said, thank you so much for that. That was so kind of him. What he said was share it with one other person. If this made an impact in your life on how you might change your mindset or how you look at sales, or maybe you even reached out and was like, you know what? I want that sell like a mango book. If you did one of those things, let me know. I want to hear it and feel free to share it with one other person. So thank you for listening or watching whichever platform this is getting you to. And until next time, let's get fired up.